So I'm gonna date myself a little bit here. Do y'all remember the movie The Matrix? Okay, so I was a senior in high school in 1999 when it came out and I went to see it with a group of my friends and it blew my mind. <laughs> Anybody else have that experience with that movie? Okay. So if you never saw it or you don't remember the plot, in a nutshell, it's the story of this computer hacker named Neo, played by the ineffable Keanu Reeves, <laughs> who meets this group of cyber rebels. And these rebels reveal to him that the world, as he has known and understood it, doesn't actually exist. Instead, it's all a virtual reality fiction that is called The Matrix, which has been created in the wake of an apocalyptic war between humans and the artificial intelligence that they have created and that has ultimately annihilated the world that they knew. <coughs> so early on in the movie, Neo meets Morpheus, the mysterious cyber revolutionary who is leading this rebel insurgence against the Matrix. Now, I've conscripted Ruth here uh, to help share a little bit of dialogue from one of the early scenes in the movie. She'll pass for Lawrence Fishburne, right? And I can be Keanu? Okay. Yes, thank you, Ruth. Mm -hmm. So Ruth will be playing the role of Morpheus. I will be Neo, Keanu, and the stage directions. Take it away. I imagine right now, you must be feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he's expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neo? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my own life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you are here. You have come because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your whole life, felt that something is wrong with the world. You don't know what but it's there like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix? Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It's all around us, here even in this room. You can see it out your window or on your television. You feel it when you go to work or you go to church or you pay your taxes. It is a world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, kept inside a prison that you cannot smell, taste, or touch. A prison for your mind. 
Unfortunately, no one can be told what the matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. Morpheus opens his hands, and in the right hand is a red pill, and in the left, a blue one. This is your last chance. After this, there's no going back. You take the blue pill, and the story ends. You wake in your bed, and you believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, and you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all that I am offering is the truth, nothing more. Neo opens his mouth and swallows the red pill. Follow me. Now I just want to see her flail backwards in slow motion and catch a bullet in her teeth. That's next Sunday. Don't forget to be at the band shell. <laughs> so I think the reason that this movie was so impactful to me when I first saw it is that I was 18, I was just at the cusp of adulthood, and I was just beginning to get really politicized. So Neo taking the red pill and beginning to see behind the fictions of the Matrix felt like it felt for me as I began to understand the ways that sexism and racism and classism and homophobia and so many other things functioned in the world, colonizing my mind, colonizing our minds, making us believe that this is just the way it is. I was raised in St. Paul in an extremely white neighborhood in an upper middle class family. I grew up Unitarian Universalist, but I also went to Catholic schools for most of my life, including an elite private Catholic girls' school out in the suburbs for high school. My parents were very liberal, and we talked about class and race and privilege and politics around the dinner table often. But my own lived experience did not reflect in any way the great diversity and struggle that exists in most parts of the world. Luckily, as a teenager, I had some radical teachers at the Catholic girls' school in the suburbs who saw my budding radical mind and nurtured it, even in the midst of that environment. But as I grew more and more conscious of the bubble that I was living in, the uneasier I got and the angrier I got about what I perceived at least as my classmates' complete and utter refusal to acknowledge the brokenness and the oppression inherent in the world, especially for people who weren't young and rich and white and privileged like us. And my God, was I self-righteous about it. <laughs> But when I saw The Matrix, that red pill scene finally gave me a metaphor for what it felt like to be waking up from a sleep I didn't even know I had been in. 
beginning to understand the world around me for the first time while it seemed like most of my classmates were sleepwalking through this pleasant virtual reality of our lives. Have you ever had a red pill moment? You made the choice to face an uncomfortable truth about the world and your position in it. No matter who you are, no matter what your race or class or gender or sexual orientation background, there is some way in your life in which you have been complicit with a system of oppression and in which you have had the choice to acknowledge that or not. When you take that conscious shift away from participating in those harmful systems like misogyny and white supremacy and capitalism and homophobia, and you commit instead to resisting oppression and helping create new structures that actually entail the possibility of liberation for all of us. In the movement for black lives, this is known as getting woke. If you've ever had a getting woke moment, then I bet you also know how excruciatingly lonely it can be. You wake up one day and you discover that you just can't tolerate the casual misogyny in the break room at work and so you end up eating lunch alone in your cubicle. You can't stomach the thought of spending another Thanksgiving at the table with your racist relatives and so you opt instead for a TV dinner and a law and order marathon at home. Or maybe you know that there's going to be just too much to explain if you bring your trans South Asian partner to the high school reunion and so you don't return the RSVP this year or any year and you lose those connections. Because like Morpheus warns us, you can't actually just fit back into the matrix once you've taken the red pill. You can't unsee Michael Brown's body lying in the street for four and a half hours. You can't unhear Diamond Reynolds' four-year-old daughter saying, Mommy, it's going to be all right in the back of the cop car in which she has just seen her father killed. You can't unhear the stories of trans teenagers bullied into suicide or native reservations struggling with astronomical cancer rates because they're located right next to the potato fields of big agribusiness. You can't unhear stories of four-year-old children separated from their parents when they're deported back across the artificial border between our countries. When you get woke to the matrix of interlocking oppressive systems that bind our lives, it can be devastating. As Wendell Berry says in this morning's reading, no, no, there's no going back. Less and less you are that possibility you were. More and more you have become those deaths that have belonged to you. Barry reminds us that living a life of integrity and moral clarity in service of something larger than our own self-interest doesn't actually just happen once. Unlike Neo, 
We don't get a 15-minute montage in which we learn jujitsu and get a cool new vinyl coat and end up at the end with all the skills and confidence necessary to dismantle the whole thing. It happens over a lifetime. It's a cyclical process of allowing our hearts to break and stay open wide enough so that we can truly belong to each other more and more deeply, learning over and over again that we are inextricably interconnected and utterly dependent on each other. It's pretty poetic. And there is no question in my mind that the survival of humanity and our planet depend on more people waking up joining an active resistance to the struggles of violence and isolation that separate us. But it turns out that even after you get woke, the misty fog of sleepwalking can still creep around the corners of our minds, and sometimes we think we're righteous saviors. Other times we think we're misunderstood martyrs. And just because we recognize the way oppressive systems work doesn't mean we are immune to their effects. In other words, it is hard to get woke, but it's even harder to stay woke. And yet, our Unitarian Universalist faith insists that each and every person has inherent worth and dignity that we are all a part of an interconnected web of love from which none of us can be severed. And that the only kind of salvation that we need to worry about happens here on this earth, at our hands, right here. To put it another way, in the words of Asada Shakur that have become the clarion call of Black Lives Matter, it is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. We must love each other and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. So if we know that, my friends, our work then is to figure out how to sustain ourselves and each other as we struggle to stay woke. Our work is also to be kind of pill pushers, too, and try and get more and more people to take the red ones. There's this note card that hangs over my desk in my office. It's one of those, you know, square cards with a nice little quote on the front somebody sent me for some occasion years and years ago. And it simply says, do what you can, where you are, with what you have. One more time. Do what you can, where you are, with what you have. I keep it there after all these years because as simple as the mantra sounds, I believe that it contains both a set of rigorous spiritual commandments as well as a guiding structure for living them out. I'm sharing it with you this morning because I believe that our ability to 
get and stay woke is dependent on our ability to do these three things. Here's what I mean. First part, do what you can. I'm probably not alone when I tell you that I've had moments of watching movements for justice and thinking, well, I support the cause, but I'm not so sure about the tactics. You heard that one? <coughs> I've come to understand that this thinking is what causes movements for justice to wither and die on the vine before they ever get off the ground. I'm mixing my metaphors there. Sorry, that's what happens when you go off script. But what happens is this thinking constricts our imaginations. It diverts our energy from the greater goal of collective liberation. If we want to end sexism, if we want to redistribute land, wealth, and power, if we want to dismantle white supremacy, it's going to take a massive number of people working on a thousand different strategies, each taking what I like to call shifts for the revolution. The commandment to do what you can is about committing to act rather than sit on the sidelines and critique. You're not sure how you feel about protesters shutting down the freeway in support of Black Lives Matter? Fine. Make sandwiches for the Black Organizing Collective's monthly meeting or show up at the city council meeting to advocate for police reform and investment in communities of color. You don't like the presidential candidates? You are not alone. <laughs> so throw your energy behind electing a state representative who will vote for your values or get trained in grassroots community organizing to affect change at the local level. What matters is that we commit more than we comment, that we contribute more than we critique. Second part, where you are. This commandment reminds us that our greatest power, our greatest chance of success in building a truly just and loving world, lies in organizing our own communities, our own people. It rests in leveraging our own spheres of influence. So if you're a white person, you've got credibility with other white folks that people of color do not have. Invite your neighbors over to talk about what racism looks like here in the Twin Cities. If you're a person with wealth or class privilege, fundraise your other wealthy friends. Get them to give money with no strings attached to support work led by poor and working class people who don't have access to financial resources and whose pleas for support too often go overlooked. Where you are. And third, with what you have. This final commandment is about both clarity and humility. It's about discerning what some religious traditions refer to as your spiritual gifts and then using them strategically and faithfully and unapologetically. The work of dismantling oppression and planting the seeds of liberation requires charismatic leaders, and behind-the-streams orchestrators. Big-picture, visionary strategists, and detail-oriented logisticians. 
artists and activists and fundraisers and publicists and cooks and childcare providers and healers and lobbyists. You do not have to be all of those things, but you must be something. What is it? The best thing any of us can do to usher in the world for which our hearts yearn is to truly, deeply, honestly know what our gifts are and to give them generously and honestly. Our world is hurting, beloveds. Its broken heart is imploring us to get woke and stay woke. It's putting the red pill in our hands and inviting us to swallow it no matter the cost because there is no other choice than to join the resistance and to create the alternative. The poet writes, and so you have become a sort of tree standing over a grave. Now, more than ever, you can be generous toward each day that comes young to disappear forever and yet remain unaging in the mind. Every day, you have less reason not to give yourself away. May we, in this beautiful broken world, be blessed by our giving what we can where we are with what we have. Blessed be Ashe and Amen. <laughs>